0: everybody notice I didn't say happy holidays I said Merry Christmas because that's what this season is all about right it's all about Christ. Jesus Christ who came in the form of a baby, came to us, Emmanuel, God with us. And that's what we celebrate on this night tonight. You know, it's not about Santa Claus. Ain't nothing wrong with Santa Claus, but it ain't about Santa Claus. It ain't about no reindeer that ran over, you know, grandma last year. It's not about no eggnog. I don't know why you drink that stuff anyway. That stuff just kind of nasty, but it is about... Jesus, And that's what we've been doing over this last month. We've just really been focusing our minds and our hearts and our attention upon what the season is really all about in this series that we've been doing called Come to Worship. So everybody say, come to worship. We've been talking about worshiping the Savior, and we've been looking at this passage of Scripture that is really kind of a famous passage of Scripture that is used so many times uh, during this time of year. Once again, let's look at it in Matthew chapter 2 and verse number 1 today. Let's all read it together. It says, Jesus was born in the town of Bethlehem in Judea during the time when Herod was king. When Jesus was born, some wise men from the east came to Jerusalem and they asked, where is the baby who was born to be the king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and we have, everybody say it aloud, we have come to worship him. That's the reason that we came tonight. That's the reason that we are here. Now, I know it's Christmas Eve, and I know that it's a tradition, and many of you, that's a a Christmas tradition for you to go to church. Some of you, that's the only time that you go to church. In fact, around here, we affectionately call you the CEO Christians, Christmas and Easter only. If that's you, we're so glad to see you. We'll see you again in a couple of months at Easter, all right? We're glad that you are here tonight. But here's the deal. We have come tonight for one reason, to worship Jesus, the Savior, the one who was born in that manger, the Savior of all the world. And we've been talking about this last few weeks, what it's like to truly worship Jesus and what worship really, really means, why we have come to worship him. And we've had three kind of key statements that have really been just kind of leading us through this last uh, several weeks uh, as we've talked about worship. And that is this, the first one is this, is that worship is is doing something. So everybody say, do something. Worship is when we do something. We talked about what do we do when we worship? What does the Bible teach us to do when we worship? We talked about we clap our hands, we lift our hands, we sing, all of these things that the Psalms teaches us to do when we worship. And then we talked about not only is worship doing something, but worship is also giving something. So everybody say, give something. We talked about how we bring our gifts as a way of worshiping Christ the King. And then we talked about the third thing is that worship is pleasing someone. So everybody say, please someone. That when we do something, when we give something, it's all about pleasing the one who is worthy of all of our worship. And that's what I want to talk about specifically tonight. I want us to look at this passage, and I want us to look at this very familiar story, the story of the wise men who came to Jesus, and I want us to see how they pleased him with their worship. And I just want to see just quickly three things about worship, three ways that we can please God with our worship. The first one, if you're taking notes, is this, you can write it down, is that that we please God with our worship when we, when we follow his lead. Everybody say follow his lead when we follow his lead. In fact, this is exactly what we see happening in our story. In Matthew chapter two, in verse nine, it says, after they had heard the king, they went on their way and the star that they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. Now we know the story, it's a very familiar story that the wise men saw the star and what did they do? They they followed after the star. You know, I started thinking that for many of us, it's the shiny things that we want to follow after, isn't it? Like some of you guys here, I mean, it's those shiny things that get... Our attention maybe maybe for you it 's that shiny new motorcycle that you got your eye on, maybe it 's that shiny new boat or that shiny new car. maybe some of you ladies here is that shiny new ring that you 're hoping that you 're going to get as you open up your presence in the morning and the truth of the matter is is that it 's those shiny objects that so many times are the things that get our attention that we actually spend our lives chasing after and I started thinking, what is the shiny object that maybe you 're chasing after? what is the star? That you are following. For some of you, maybe it's the star of culture, the shiny object that leads you. It's what you see others doing as you open up your Facebook or as you see what's going on in popular culture around you. And that's what you follow after. For some of you, man, it's, it's the shiny star of money. Like, man, you're just following after, show me the money. Man, the money is leading me. Maybe some of you, it's, it's success or it's fortune. Or maybe for some of you, it's pleasure. Maybe for some of you, it's relationships. And you're following after, trying to find that boyfriend or that girlfriend. And some of you maybe even compromise some of your values, trying to trying to follow after the shiny object that is leading you. And I started thinking, what if we made Jesus... The star that we decide to follow after. In fact, this is what God wants from every single one of us. This is really what worship is really all about. It's following after his lead. In fact, that's the good news of Christmas tonight is that Jesus wants to lead you. He wants to give you direction and guidance And wisdom for your life. Some of you walk into the room tonight and the whole reason that you're even here is because you're saying, I need need some direction. I don't know what I'm supposed to do with my life. I don't have a purpose. I don't have any guidance for my life. And here's the good news that, that Christmas offers us that Jesus, the Savior, wants to be the star that would guide and that would lead and direct your life. In fact, this is what the scripture teaches us in A very famous Christmas passage of scripture found in the book of Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. Look what it says. It says, for to us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called, everybody say these words aloud. He will be called Wonderful Counselor. Look at those words. Wonderful Counselor. You know, if you look at the original translation of those words in the actual Hebrew language, the word wonderful is the Hebrew word Pele. Everybody say Pele. Pele. Kind of like the soccer player, right? Pele. And you know what that Hebrew word actually means? It means something so great that words cannot even describe. Something so amazing and so powerful that it is beyond description. The word wonderful is something so incredible that we can't even speak it with words. And the word, the word counselor actually comes from the Hebrew word yeyots. Everybody say yeyots. yeyots. Come on, aren't you proud you learned some Hebrew tonight, right? And you know what that word actually means? It means someone who advises Or someone who guides. Now, you put these together and the wonderful counselor is this. Someone who is so powerful and so amazing that he is beyond description, beyond even words, and yet so personal that he wants to guide personally your life. I Man, that's that's pretty incredible when you think about it. that's really the story of Jesus, that that there would be a son that would be born to us, that would be such a wonderful counselor that the God of the heavens that is so powerful and incredible. And yet he wants to know us on a personal level and he wants to guide and direct and give wisdom to you for your life. And this is what worship is all about. We please God when we come to this place where we say, God, I want you to be my wonderful counselor. I want to follow your lead in every area of our lives. And some of you are here tonight and maybe you even find yourself in a place where you're struggling. Can I just tell you that there is one who knows the struggle in fact, the scripture talked about him like this in the, in the book of Hebrews chapter 4 and verse number 14. Look what it says. It says, but we have a great high priest, Jesus, the son of God, who has gone into heaven. So let us take hold of the faith that we have for our high priest is able to understand our weaknesses. He was tempted in every way, just as we are, but he did not sin let us then feel very sure that we can come before God's throne where there is grace and there we can receive mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. Some of you are here tonight and then you find yourself in a time of need. The truth is that that this time of, of year can actually sometimes, although it is a joyful time, can be a very stressful time. With all the things that are going on, maybe in your life, even here tonight. And the truth of the matter is that the holidays are the great exaggerator. How many you know what I'm saying? Like, there are the great highs that when there are good things, like, it exaggerates. And they're even greater because of the holiday season. And yet, when there are the lows, those lows are exaggerated as well. And some of you maybe are even experiencing that here this evening that you find yourself in time of need. Maybe some of you are struggling financially and you're wondering, how are we going to pay for all of these presents that we just put on the credit card? And what are we going to do? And you're stressed about that. Others of you are needing some direction for decisions that you're going to be making after the holiday season is over and you don't know what you're going to do and you don't know what you're going to do about work or what you're going to do about a relationship that you're struggling with. Others of you, maybe even in this holiday season, it's just an incredible reminder of some pain that you felt as as maybe you've been hurt this year or maybe maybe you've lost a loved one and you find yourself grieving and struggling and and you know that even tomorrow as you gather gather around the dinner table for Christmas dinner, that there's gonna be an empty chair there for the loved one that you lost this year and you find yourself in a time of need. But here's the good news is that there is a counselor. There's one who has, who has come to give us help. He understands. He knows the needs that you are facing today and he has come to be your guide, to be your counselor, to be your advisor. And all you have to do is come to him. That's what worship is all about. That's the reason we come to worship tonight because he is our wonderful counselor and he wants to guide and direct and comfort you in your life today. In fact, this is what Jesus tells us. He says, all you who are weary, all you who are struggling, all you who are anxious, all you have to do is come to me. This is what worship is all about. Worship that pleases the Father is when we follow after his lead. Number two, write this one down. Here's worship that pleases the Father, not only when we follow his lead, but number two, when we express our love. In fact, this is what we see in Matthew chapter 2 and verse number 10. Look what it says. It says, as the wise men came to Jesus, and when they saw the star, they were, everybody say it aloud, they were overjoyed. Now we learned a little bit last week about about the Greek language. We learned the fact that in the Greek that it's it's that the the New Testament was actually written in Greek and then later translated in English so that we could understand it. How many are thankful for that? And, and as they translate from Greek to English, it's kind of a difficult language to translate because Greek language is very is very descriptive, and there are like so many more words in Greek than there actually are in English. And so when they try to translate it, sometimes it's difficult to translate. So when the translators were translating this word "overjoyed," there were actually four Greek words that were used to actually become this one English word "overjoyed." And when you man, when you put them all all together, you really get a better sense of what it meant that when they came to Jesus, when they saw the star, that, that they were overjoyed. It was almost like not just saying they had joy, but they were overjoyed. It wasn't just like, I got a little bit of joy. It was like, I've got this huge, gigantic, enormous, compounding joy. I mean, very literally, it would have been like this. It would have been like they were saying, we're happy that we're happy that we're happy that we're happy that we're happy that, we're happy that, we're happy that he came. Literally, that's what it meant to be overjoyed with this compounding joy. And when you think about it, man, they should have been because for centuries... For hundreds of years, they had been waiting for the one that would come that would save them from all of their sins. And now there he is right there in front of him, in front of them. And so they could not help but express their joy and their love for this newborn Savior that they had been waiting so long for. And I think about so many Christians today, and I think about how we express our love for, for Jesus And so many times the word overjoyed wouldn't be the word that would come to mind. But for many Christians in many churches and in many church services, I would say that many Christians are more underjoyed. In fact, we come in and we just, I mean, we're just barely making it in, you know, just kind of dragging in to worship. And here we are worshiping the Savior, the one who has saved us from our sins, who has given his life for us. And yet we come in with this sourpuss look on our face. How many know what I'm saying? You've seen those kind of Christians before that, man, I mean, we're just kind of, you know, negative and down. And, oh, it's been a bad day. or not very interested. And I'm going, man, this doesn't look very overjoyed to me. Like if we truly love God, if we truly know what he has done for us, shouldn't we tell our face? Come on. In fact, everybody just look at your neighbor and just tell them, tell your face. Like, I mean, shouldn't we smile? Shouldn't we be happy? Shouldn't we express it? Some of you going, why are you yelling? I'm yelling right now because I'm overjoyed. For what God has done for me, man, this is what worship is all about. This is worship that pleases the Lord. It's a worship that says, man, I have joy in my heart, man. There's a smile on my face. There's a song in my heart. I can't, I can't help myself but be passionate towards the Lord because of all that he has done for me. This is worship that pleases God. And here's what's so amazing is that you can have this kind of joy in your heart no matter how bad stuff gets in your life. See, some of us, man, we got joy when everything's going good. But then whenever something goes bad, man, we're struggling. But I'm telling you, we can have joy in our heart even when stuff is going bad in our life. Because even when there's something that's happening bad, there's a God who is still good. And there's an eternity. There is a savior. There is one that loves us that can even take the bad stuff and turn it around and use it for our good. There is a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an everlasting father, a prince of peace, an Emmanuel, God with us that in every situation he is with us and all he wants from us is for us to express our love towards him that we would have the joy in our heart knowing for what he has done for every single one of us. Come on, I I think we ought to give the Lord a hand clap of praise for that. This is what worship is all about. This is what pleasing the Father looks like. We please the Father when we follow His lead. We please the Father when we express our love. Number three, write this one down. We please the Father in worship when we surrender our lives. Everyone say surrender. Surrender. When we surrender our lives. In fact, this is what we see happen. In our story, we see it in Matthew chapter 2 and verse number 11. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed down to worship him. Now think about what an odd sight that would have been. Here are these, here are these kings, these wise men, here, and here they come, grown men who are bowing down to a young little two-year-old child. Can you imagine? That's, that's kind of an odd sight. And yet, what, what was this all about? What did it truly mean? It, it, was, a, it was an outward expression of hearts that were submitted, that, that even, even as he was just a little child, they understood that he was the king. And they were surrendering, submitting their lives to him. And that's what God wants from every single one of us. True worship really is found in a heart of surrender. And yet that's not a word that we like to hear too much in our culture today. The word surrender or submission, that's that's something that really is a little bit a little bit unthinkable. I mean, to really say I'm going to give up my rights in this competitive, in this competitive world that is driven by our rights, and yet to say to God, I'm gonna submit, I'm going to surrender. And yet, this is what God wants from us more than anything else. In fact, this is what the scripture teaches us in Romans chapter 6 and verse number 13. It says that we should give ourselves completely to God. For you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. I want you to notice a couple of words here. The words are complete and whole. This is what God wants from you. He wants your life completely. He wants your body holy. He wants surrender complete from you. Not 10% of your life, not 20%, not 50%. He wants 100%. See, for so many of us, man, we see our lives kind of like one of those pie charts. Remember the pie charts when you were in middle school, right? And we see it with these different slices. Like, man, I got, you know, i got this slice of my life over here. That's my home life. And then I got my work life over here. And then I got my relational life over here. And then I got my fun life over here. And then I got this one little slice of my life that that's my, that's my God life. That's my church life. And yeah, I'll give them a Sunday or two here and there. I'll, you know, I'll go to Christmas Eve service and give them this little bitty part, this little slice of my life. But God says, I don't want a slice. You know, I don't want, want all like if you're like me and you like Mexican food, he says, I don't want the whole enchilada. I don't want no piece of the pie. I want all of it. I want full and complete surrender from my people. And this is, what, this is what worship is truly all about. In fact, this is what the scripture tells us about it in Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. It says, so brothers and sisters, since God has shown us such great mercy, I offer you to do this. What? To offer... Your lives as living sacrifices to him. Your offering must be only for God and pleasing for him. Which is what? The spiritual way for you to worship. Here's what worship really is all about. True worship that pleases God is worship that is based upon the recognition of the Lord Jesus Christ in our lives. Surrender completely to him. But here's the sad thing tonight. The sad thing is this, is that so many people... Even church-going Christians only live their lives in a partially surrendered way. So many so many that maybe are even here tonight live a life that I might call maybe a casual Christian, maybe a cultural Christian. I'm Christian because I live in America and we're a Christian nation, but I'm kind of, you know, Christian in, in name only. You know, I, I, I go to church every once in a while. Sure, I believe in God, you know, but I'm gonna live my life kind of the way I want to live my life. Oh yeah, sure, I believe the Bible. I don't ever read it. I don't do what it says, but I believe it. You know, I, sure, sure, I pray every once in a while, but only when I'm really kind of in trouble and I really need something. And you know, when it comes to decisions in my life, I don't really even ask God. I just kind of do what I think is best or what what others tell me is best. And so, sure, I'm I'm a Christian, but my life is not fully surrendered to Christ. This is what Jesus was actually talking about in in the scripture in Luke chapter six and verse forty six he says, why do you call me Lord, Lord? You don't do what I say. Jesus says, hey, I'm not looking for people who will give me lip service. I'm looking for people who will give me life service. I'm not looking for people who would just attend church every now and then or just be a Christian because that's what, that's what I'm supposed to do or that's the tradition or mom and dad were Christians. No, he says, I'm looking for people who would surrender their lives completely to me. People who would, who would recognize my lordship in their lives and every single area, not just a slice of their life, not just the weekends, not just Sundays, not just Christmas and Easter, but every single day live a life that is completely and fully surrendered to Him. This is, what, this is what He's looking for. This is the kind of worship that truly pleases God. So I want to ask you the question tonight and I want you to take it seriously. I want you to think about your life for just a moment. And I want you to think about maybe even just the past, the past year of your life. And I want you to answer this question tonight. What part of your life have you not yet surrendered to Christ? Maybe for some of you, it'd say, "Man, it's it's my kids. You know, man, I'm constantly worried about them. I'm constantly wondering what's gonna what's going on with them, and I just can't seem to can't seem to surrender and trust God with them." Maybe some of you, your kids are grown, and you're still trying to kind of run their life and tell them what to do and how to how to do things, and you can't seem to give that over to God. And tonight, God would say. I want you to surrender that to me. I want you to trust me with that area of your life. For some of you, it's, it's your relationships. That maybe maybe you're with someone and you know you shouldn't be with them. You know they're not the right one, but you just keep thinking, I'm going to change them and I'm going to make it better. And you know in your heart that nothing's going to change and that they're not really the right one, but you just can't seem to let them go because I love them and I love them. I just can't I, can't. I can't give that up to God. Maybe for some of you it's some habits Maybe it's some stuff that you're like, I know that's not good for me. I know I shouldn't be doing that. But man, I enjoy it too much and I don't want to give it to God. Maybe for some of you, maybe it's some hurts. Maybe it's some things that have been said or have been done to you and you've been holding on to this unforgiveness in your heart and you don't want to let it go because you feel like that would be letting the person off the hook. But God would say to you, I want you to surrender even that part of your life to me. Others of you, maybe, maybe it's just some attitudes that you have. Maybe, I don't know, maybe it's some ways that you're living. But you would say, man, I'm ready today to come to that place where I'm surrendering my life to him because this is what he is truly looking for from us. And this is what happens when we begin to worship God in this way. When we begin to please him by following after his lead, by expressing our love completely to him by fully surrendering our lives to him. Here's what happens. We see it in our story. Verse number 12, look what it says. And and having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. After having encountered Jesus, these wise men left in a different way than they came. And I'm telling you something tonight, that you can't have an encounter with Jesus. You can't Fully follow his lead, fully express your love, fully surrender your life to him and have an experience with him without it changing something in your life. And some of you are here tonight and you didn't even expect it. You just came because it was Christmas Eve and it's tradition and that's what you're supposed to do. But tonight you're going to have an encounter with Jesus and you're going to leave this place in a different way than you came. But only if you come to that place of saying, God, I'm ready. I'm ready to surrender. I'm ready to leave it all on the line for you. I no longer want to give you lip service. I want to give you life service. I want to follow your lead. I'm ready to live this joy-filled life that you you have called for me to experience. And I want to completely surrender every part of my life to you.